121 of the Farben Metal Podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Scott from Fallujah discusses his first band, and I recommend the UK progressive metal duo Divided by Design. But before all that, I welcome another member of Haken onto the program. This time, it is returning keyboardist Pete Jones. Pete was on the very first Haken recordings and then left the band, and has since returned for their new album, Fauna. Pete and I discuss returning to Haken as a full-time member, and how weird it was for him to return to the band when they were Haken Haken, as well as his work with them while not in the band, turning field recordings into music, Nova Collective, his solo work, and a lot more. This is truly a fascinating chat with a fascinating dude, and I, I mean, I recommend you listen to all my episodes, but this is one where I'm like, this fucking dude's cool. He's fucking weird, though. He's fucking cool, though. <laughs> Before we dive into my chat with Pete, here are some of the album Fauna by Haken, which will be out on March 3rd via Century Media Records. From said album, here are some of Taurus. Daniel. Howdy. How are you? Oh, you're already there. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. So you're enjoying some evening tea, coffee? It is tea. I've already had my quota of coffees for the day, so I'm on to the soft stuff. Forgive my my failure in doing time math. Uh, What time are we looking at in your neck of the woods right now? It is 5.15 in the evening. Not too bad. Are you on the East Coast or the West Coast? West Coast. We'll get 9.15 in the oh, morning. It's, it's, it's nice and early. Yeah, you've just started the day. I'm a, I'm a morning person. I've been up since 5. My cats wake me up at 5 every morning, whether I like it or not. So, uh... I'm not a morning person, but I'm very much a cat person. Oh, tell me uh, about they... your cats. All right, I have questions. I'm disregarding those. Let's talk cats. Yeah. <laughs> well, sadly, right now, I don't have a cat. I'm uh, so sorry I... <laughs> to get started this way. I had a childhood cat. Uh, she unfortunately passed away last year. Where I currently live, um, I can't really have a cat. I'm in a small flat. Um, but cats really, you know, there's music for me, and then there's cats. Cats are Hell yes. <laughs> the number one thing in life. <laughs> so uh, this childhood cat, is this one that you had since you were like... Yeah, since young? I was 12, I think. I had one of those, um, yeah. A couple yeah, of years so ago, I, I lost her. I lost him at 20. Wow. Yeah. That's about as, as old as they can get, really. I think so. Um, um, it's always hard, very oh, yeah. hard to lose them. Um, even though I'd, I'd obviously not lived at home for many years, every time I did go to visit my parents, she was still there. And so when they do pass, then you're just like <laughs> big hole in your life. Um, I'm just waiting until we have a house where I can get many cats. Hell yes. Um, is, is my dream. <laughs> well, I look forward to that for you. Uh, we're in a place where we shouldn't have cats, but we have two, so this isn't going to work for the podcast. But here in that chair, we've got Geezer. <laughs> she is going to be cleaning herself soon, as she does with every interview I do. And then right behind me is Dennis. She's our calico here. Oh, lovely colors. She has uh, stolen my other comfy chair, so I'm just in a folding chair. Anyway, this That's is fair enough. now this cats is podcasting. Cats. Yes. <laughs> So I could talk to you about cats all day, and we very much, very, 
may well shift back towards that but uh let's let's talk some Haken stuff but actually uh let's talk about you because like as as many uh Haken fans are maybe aware unaware you're returning to the band and this is kind of well this is my introduction to you um so like uh how how is the big story of course is you coming back to the band after a bunch of years then your first tour back with them is with symphony x how is jumping back into a wildly different band than you left um it was it was great to be honest i think wildly different in some ways and then in some ways not so different so i think the the dynamic in the band felt quite similar to when I left, which was back in 2008. Uh, obviously, some of the members still there, uh, Ross and Rich and Ray, um, some of them who I've been friends with, you know, since those early days. And then Ray, I've been friends with since we were about four years old. So almost, you know, 30 years now. Um, and I've stayed close to friends all that time. So in some way, going back into the band felt like this massive re regression to 2008. And the energy, I think, and, and the fun we were having felt very similar. Of course, the context was quite different. And as you said, playing um, a five-week tour in, in the US and Canada with Symphony X, um, who we had been um, idolizing when we were teenagers, was quite a different context to walk back into to playing some of the early shows that I did with Haken uh, before I left. So that was radically different and that was uh that was amazing that was great fun for me to walk back into um in fact just before that tour um we played cruise to the edge which was uh my first haken show in you know 15 years it's also my first cruise ship ever <laughs> um and so doing that alongside a bunch of other you know prog legends um people like marillion and alan parsons and transatlantic i mean that that was just fantastic uh so really was a great introduction um back into the band um and you know a bit of a, a sort of a slow ones by by Haken standards in some sense in that we just had that one tour there was nothing else really happening tour wise last year a couple of festivals that's it but of course we got an album done um and so this year is looking a lot more jam packed um in the in the touring world um so that's really exciting I think that'll be a bit more of a feel for what it's like to be doing that a bit more regularly uh, rather than just that one off but no, it's been fantastic ever since I rejoined, working closely with the guys, recording and writing the album, going on tour. Everything's been great. So I'm just really excited about what this year has to bring, really. And you said that was your first cruise. How are you on a... Was that your first cruise or your first like band cruise thing? <laughs> first cruise. <laughs> How was that? I've yet to do it go and I'm I'm like nervous about getting motion sickness and stuff. Yeah. So we didn't really know what to expect, but it was, you know, very exciting to go on this cruise in the Caribbean. Uh, so I went and I took my then girlfriend, but my now fiance, um, on on the cruise, and we were just excited, and everything seemed great until the first night when you kind of woken up by just the ship rocking, um, and an impending sense that you might die at any moment. But I think this is actually quite normal, and this is just what boats do. Um, <laughs> so after after the first night, I think we got used to it and settled. But definitely at first, it was a little bit. Um, a little bit disturbing. I think if you are somebody who gets motion sick, it's not going to be an ideal week um, spent. But if you get past that, it's it's a brilliant it's you know it's a brilliant situation being on this boat in the sea, as uh, just surrounded by musicians and and fans of music, um, all there for the same reason, but in a very different setting to what you normally expect for a prog or a metal festival. Sure. Um, so it was it was great. 
That's very cool. And I know you popped up on Vector and Virus to some degree. Were those sort of the seeds of your return or is that just one-off things that just didn't seem like anything at the time? I think especially Vector didn't seem like anything at the time, but it was, you know, this was, um, because when I left Taken, it was, you know, fully just, I was 18 and going to university to study physics and and there wasn't anything else to it than that. It was just, um, it was abandoned its early seeds. And I was like, oh, you know, I have this educa education to go and follow. Uh, there wasn't any, you know, I loved the music. I loved the guys and it was that. Um, and I didn't really do a lot of music for a while, but at some point during my PhD, Rich reached out to me and asked if I wanted to start a band that would then become Nova Collective um, with Dan Briggs from Between the Buried and Me. And that felt like a bit of a, oh, this was, you know, I'd already been itching to get my feet into music a bit more again. Um, so that was great. That was a great opportunity. And that kind of got me thinking about music a lot more seriously again whilst I was sort of finishing my studies in physics. Um, and I started to produce at around a similar time. I got, I got very interested in production. I got interested in electronic music. Um, I started to produce and I kind of was starting to want to put a bit more attention into music and move a little bit away from the science. Um, so I, I moved back to London after my PhD and I was kind of just doing a bit of music here and there and doing some freelance tutoring. And I was living very close to Ray again because we both happened to be back at our parents' house for a year or so in uh, 2018 or, or 2017 or something. And so he already, he knew that I was starting to get my my teeth into different styles of music and he liked some of the production work I was doing under my kind of solo artist name. So I think he's had this idea, he's like, oh, Pete, you know, there's the song on, on the new Haken album, which was to be Vector, where it'd be cool if you did a bit of your sort of glitchy program drum stuff. And that was just a sort of one-off thing. Uh, so I worked with him on that, and that was in a puzzle box, and that was really fun. And then when it got to Virus, I think they kind of wanted a couple of appearances again in for the same reason. They were sort of like, Ray was like, oh, there's a bit of drum programming here, and then there's this kind of last song, and it'd be cool if you do some of your sort of ambient, soundscape -y, eerie stuff there. So I was kind of working with them, you know, on this sort of freelance basis a little bit as a friend. Um, and I think that did forge that relationship into a more professional one again. Um, so that when it, it did come time that they needed to find an actual full-time replacement as a keyboardist, um, I was already kind of working with them. And so that relationship seemed quite natural. Um, so when it did come to that, that transition was kind of quite quick and smooth. It was just like, oh, Pete, there's an opening, you know, everyone's saying you should just come back. Um, and I kind of thought about it for about seven seconds and then was like, that sounds great. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was it really. Actually, you, you touched on one of my questions already, which was um, that uh, your your other project, Nested Shapes, is more of an, an electronic ambient kind of thing. And I have a very strange question about that in a second. But um, so the point was for you to work in that sound. So because my question was, like, did you sneak that vibe into the album? But that was that was by design. Yeah. <laughs> By the album, do you mean virus or do you mean for? Uh, well, I, I mean virus and and vector. It seems like that was the point. But like on the new album on Fauna, are you? I don't know. Is part of your mind like this isn't Hakeny if it's too, like chill or vibey or whatever? Yeah, I think you know, as you say, with like vector and virus, that was the point because you know, in a sort of crude way, that was the job hired to do. And now that I'm actually you know a member of the band and a writer and working with the guys. Um, my idea never is absolute is, you know, to be like, I need to make this sound like my solo stuff for sure. Um, I I think it's more I take some of the mindset I have working on my on my solo stuff 
and the philosophy and the approach to sound design and production and try to inject that into the stuff so sometimes that means the keyboard is taking a bit of a, a slightly different role maybe to a traditional pro keyboard is it's not so much about playing sort of synth leads or stuff like that i'm mostly interested about how how can my parts enhance the atmosphere and the ambience of the bound um have some weird sonics in there some kind of weird sound design sort of strange like binaural things which kind of like poke out at you if, if you have headphones on and i'm kind of trying to give it more that atmosphere um, and that embedding of sound, obviously with some more traditional stuff in there too. There's some piano, there's some roads in there. Um, but I think it's it's more, you know, that kind of philosophy, which really represents what I got interested in in music just over the last five, 10 years. Um, it's natural that that's what I'm mostly bringing to Haken right now in terms of the sort of like recording and the sounds. Um, and that's also what the guys sort of, one of the reasons I guess why they wanted me to come back in because they thought that could be an interesting compliment to where Haker's music was going and the kind of sounds that, that they wanted to experiment with and explore. I mean, you're just you're just making segues easy for me. Uh, speaking of experimentating, this album <laughs> feels quirky, even for a band that's already quirky, especially on a song like Elephant's Never Forget, which reminds me of like Dream Theater colliding with King Crimson, but like deep cut King right, Crimson Crimson's. that people like, oh, they know it's 21st century schizoid, man. This is like that weird, yeah, yeah this stuff. Uh, what what was going on here? What were you guys trying to convey during that just weirdness of that song? I think um well that that particular song is one of the less collaborative on the album actually. Um because most nearly all the songs have been written by either two or three people um in in different pockets, but actually that song um is mostly the product of Charlie. Um in terms of the musical composition, he sort of just he wasn't so involved in in some of the other parts, and then he he sort of just just came with that song like fleshed out and was like, "Here's the song," um, <laughs> which just made us, you know, we loved it, and actually it changed a lot from the initial draft to that. Um, but I think with that song, which is in some ways the most quirky, though I think there are a couple of other tracks that rival it in quirkiness in other ways. But I think with all of it, the the quirkiness and the sort of variedness, I think it was all an intentional um an intentional point about us wanting to experiment and i think that comes partly from the phase the sort of era of the band having a new band member but also you know the context of writing this album off the back of covid and lockdown and a you know a, a pandemic that totally decimated the industry for a while and a, a lot of people's morale um working in that industry and the ability to meet up and jam and, and tour so I think, you know, after the the sort of rut that that caused for a while, there was just a desire to express and to and to see what we could create. And I think from that obviously came later the lyrical theme of the album, um, fauna and like wildlife and animals and sort of that eclecticness and that variedness of the animal kingdom. But in the musical writing process, I think as well, that that, that was so there from the beginning, especially trying to come out of a... A, a lockdown writing remotely with a new band member we absolutely didn't want to start with you know right here's the album that we're going to write and here's and sort of here's the style it's going to be you know a gent album or it's going to be a sort of electro pop album it was more just like we started writing um and we just wanted us to write to express ourselves and to sort of see what came up um, and we wrote a lot and some of it wasn't used um and some of it was used and we kind of brought together finally you know, 
February, about a year ago now, was when we all got together as as, as all six of us in, in a room for a week and polished everything and sort of finished the arrangements, worked on the vocal melodies and actually brought this like collection of ideas into a cohesive album. Um, but that quirkiness and that, and that eclecticness is such a sort of in, integral part, I think, of what this album was meant to be uh, for those various reasons. From the inside, if that's not the weirdest thing, quirkiest part of the album, what is to you? Um, <laughs> like, what do you do sneak in here? Because like I said with Nested Shapes, you do, you've snuck some weird stuff into those songs. Is, are you doing some stuff like the, uh, what was it, 5-4 floor creaking stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that's actually very good inside knowledge of, of my relatively small project. <laughs> oh, I, um, I'm obsessed with that. And I want to ask about that next. But let's let's, let's uh, focus on Hagen first. <laughs> sure. So, so was the question what's more quirky than that song to you if not that if not that a section or something that you think is especially interesting i think another one um well they're different aren't they i mean there are two of them you know which predominantly myself and ray the drummer wrote as a pair and that was nightingale and then that was uh, beneath the white rainbow and i think beneath the white rainbow is quirky um (laughs) certainly has has some pretty out there moments um, so I think that's probably one that we think would rival Aspen's Never Forget in some ways, probably not in the traditional, um, just very quirky prog, you know, having influences from things like Gentle Giant, you know, that that would sit very much with Aspen's Never Forget. But I think Beneath the White Brain- Rainbow has some unexpected surprises in there, um, which are some new styles, I think, for the band that they've experimented with. Um, so probably those two together w- would be the most quirky stuff on the album, I reckon. Yeah, a note I had was to uh, bring up Beneath the White Rainbow because of the like staccato piano section that's very yeah. menacing. It reminds me of like ninety or late 90s, early 2000s video game music, and you're about to like get into trouble. So yeah, as, as it happens, um, that is probably one of mine and Ray's favorite genre um we we frequently even years later when we meet up and we're playing other games we put on the soundtrack from silent hill Mm. um we just love (laughs) we love like 90s horror games especially on the like playstation one etc uh so yeah that's uh that's the sound close to our hearts very cool yeah it's not it's definitely not like the spooky vibe but i did some demos with my band and i got the piano my friend was using to sound just like the main castle music from mario 64 like I put the perfect, I put the perfect echo on it, and like we wound up not using it. But I was just like, guys, it sounds just like this. And they're like, yeah, it does. Why are you doing that? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> That's reasonable enough, though. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that loving you could never be simple, simple. That was a bit of Haken's Love Bite from the new album Fauna. I'll have more with Pete Jones in just a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Scott from Fallujah discusses his heavy origins. Uh, what was your first band called, and what did it sound like? Oh, that's a sick question. <laughs> wow. 
Dude, this is the David Wu interview because Sorry? Uh, David, that's awesome. I think he's gonna be stoked. Actually, we should you should hit him up. But uh, I had a band with him. That was our first band. It was called All Is Vanity. You know, he actually may have mentioned this on my show. But please carry on. I'd like to hear the other side of it. Oh, uh, uh, dude, yeah, yeah. No, uh, how old were we? It must have been like four, thirteen or fourteen, dude. It was like we were super young. A friend of ours was a drummer. And we just like draw, just like kind of just jam together as a group or whatever, and called ourselves something. We never played shows, you know, anything like that. Like, was just jamming in somebody's uh, like living room. And I think their dad had like recording equipment, and it, and he recorded one of the songs that we were jamming together. And like, that's about it, you know. Like so, but it was just like we we're all obsessed with music. We were budding budding metalheads, you know what I mean? We were obsessing listening to these bands, trying to emulate them. Our first attempts at emulating the bands we listened to. And yeah, that was uh, with David. We were both guitar players. I think at the time we were just like massive Trivium fans. I think we mostly played Trivium covers, a couple Lamb of God covers, and then we were trying to build our own songs or whatever. And then kind of I started to get into touch with the guys who would become the Fallujah band. And I kind of just kind of fell apart. Like, I think I'm going to go do this over here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, it's just what it is. But yeah, that was the first one. Empyrean is out now. You can pick up your copy at the link in the episode description. And follow Scott on his Twitch channel, also at that same link. Now before we're at my chat with Pete Jones from Haken, here is a little bit of Nightingale from the new album, Fauna. of passing time The words struggle to escape her mind New perspectives to redefine But song awakens her from the storm Shuffle the sequence of old paradigms The rhyme and meter still Like I was saying, the uh, the creaking floor thing I alluded to, um, I was looking at some of your solo stuff, and I phonetically have it at new Numenon. Uh, new, yeah. There's a creaking floor that you sampled and then kind of built a song around. Is, you know, found sound something that you are, somebody that likes to, basically it, it 
feels like you're doing uh, Foley work and then making music out of it. Is that something you are a big fan of? Absolutely. And I think that's that's a part of my solo stuff. And that's also part of Fauna. Um, there are a couple of songs. Um, so, you know, I'm always trying to experiment with new processes in my solo stuff. But for, but for sure, in a lot of my Nested Shapes work, um, a lot of the sound sources I get come from recordings I take. Um, so I, I've got a pretty standard little handheld field recorder. Um, but I've got these nice little like binaural ear microphones, which I put in my ears um, and sort of capture sounds through the field recorder. Um, and it captures them in, you know, full 3D uh, because they're in my ears. So I, I very often just walk around either in nature, if I'm somewhere interesting or just hitting things in the house and try to capture interesting sounds. Um, I might often end up with, you know, six minutes of raw audio, which I find I, I sort of like clean up and chop and change, et cetera. Um, and that often becomes either little bits of like percussive hits. Um, it can become just background ambience, which I kind of inject at low levels into a mix uh, for something a bit more organic than just like finding something from a sample library. Um, or in the in some cases, there could be something interesting enough that it actually becomes the basis of an entire percussion loop. And that's what you're talking about here. I was walking down my stairs in my old flat, which were particularly creaky, and captured it. And when I was flicking through this long, long audio, you know, eight minutes, or whatever it was, I found this little like 15 second segment of the floorboards creaking and they were quite rhythmic. Um, and I thought that's that's kind of close to a rhythm. Um, so I cleaned it up. I kind of quantized it a bit and I started to like process it a lot. And that became the sort of glitchy drums um, that formed the basis of that track. And then I kind of worked everything around that. Um, so that's that is definitely one of the processes I really like doing with my solo stuff. Um, and also with the Haken, I mean, there are a number, for example, like Nightingale, there's, you know, some bird tweets, uh, which I recorded randomly from my flat ones. I could just hear birds singing outside. There are a couple of other songs in the album where there's, um, there's, you know, I think in Sempiternal Beans, there, there are these really weird frogs, which I recorded when we were on tour in um, the US last year. I think we were in Savannah, Georgia on a day off. And there was just a chorus of frogs having this very weird rhythm um, and I kind of captured it just on my phone because I didn't have my like, field recorder. Um, and that made it in into some paternal beings in the in the kind of little ambient breaks though. There's this weird sound, uh, which are these kind of frogs like singing um in chorus. Um and the same with the eyes of ebony at, at the very end. That was some some like crickets I recorded when we were away, I think. I like using nature sounds where possible, um, or just sounds that I've captured because they're kind of when you get into the digital production world, um, it is easy for things to start sounding a bit clinical. Um, and sometimes you can go to loads of efforts to try to make something sound more organic, or you can just skip that and sometimes just capture something organic at the source and you immediately inject a bit of that vibe that you're going for. So that is one of my favorite sort of strategies. Um, when mixing or producing music or, or doing sound design to try to include um, in some way sounds from nature or sort of sounds that I've recorded that are a bit rough around the edges or sort of um, or organic like that. So artistically, I'm endlessly fascinated by this. Like, I think this is super cool, but like in your neighborhood, are you the guy who walks around with the microphone all the time and people try to avoid you? <laughs> <laughs> so... 
I mean, I wouldn't know, I guess, because yeah. they'd all be avoiding me. Oh, you'd hear them. You'd hear them talking from two blocks away. So luckily, no, in the sense that I don't think I'm out too often, because what I tend to do, I can only be bothered to get my mic out, you know, my like binaural mics, my fifth recorder, like twice a year. So I, I tend to just go out and just capture loads of sounds in, in one thing. And then, as I say, I end up with just like a massive audio file. Um, and at a later date, do I sit down in Ableton and actually open that up and sort of look through different bits? And, you know, one single audio recording could see loads of different songs or or sort of ideas based on which little clip I take. So luckily, I'm, I'm not out every day with my headphones on um, looking like the neighbourhood's uh creep so i think <laughs> hopefully i'm okay but uh if you ask my neighbors they might say differently of course um so you've got a tour coming up i think next week with between the barrier to yeah. me haken um yeah. with you rich and dan all on the same road are we looking for yeah. some more nova collective coming up oh i mean I'd, I'd i'd love it we we actually got very so far with the second album after the first one um this is i guess you know, before I moved back to, to London and, and before I was back in Haken by years, we we were writing a lot and um, I, I was going to see Rich every now and then. And I think Dan and Matt worked on some things over in the US and, and we had a couple of calls as a group and, and we got really far. But I think we just, the momentum sort of died at one point. I think sometimes that's going to happen intrinsically with it being a second project for so many of the band members. Oh, not even Dan. I mean, Dan has about 50 projects. So, you yeah. know, like one of many, many bands. Um, and it is the kind of project where you have to strike when everybody has that mental space. Um, so I'm very excited about us three being on the bus together and what it might lead to. Um, it'll be great. I've not seen Dan for years um, since, you know, since we worked on Nova. Um, well, I think I saw him when he, when like BT Bam last played in London a few years ago or something like that. Um, but me and Rich are really excited to have to just be on the bus with him for you know six seven weeks whatever it is um I'm sure that we'll be talking jazz and sharing jazz at every opportunity so uh, who knows what will come out of it but maybe some more Nova at some point that would be great personally I'd love that uh but we'll have to see how things go yeah Dan was one of my last in-person guests when I you know for everything and yeah. I forget if it was that chat or a later one, but he reminds me a lot of your thing where he just taps on things in his houses and makes loops out of it. So if nothing else, you guys can just do your own version of Stomp. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show. I, I love the new album. Pleasure. Looking forward to you guys when you're uh, swinging through the States and, uh, you know, uh, break a leg on your tour. And, uh, you know, as a general, welcome back. <laughs> thank you so much. It was great to chat. Yeah, of course. You soon. Yeah, good one.
Fauna by Haken will be out on March 3rd via Century Media Records. You can order your copy now at hakenmusic.com and follow the band at haken underscore official on Instagram. Also, you should check out Pete's other work, Nova Collective and Nested Shapes. Both of them are excellent. Nested Shapes is especially strange and cool. Now to conclude this episode, I am recommending the UK progressive metal duo Divided by Design. Divided by Design are a rather young progressive duo who are just incredible musicians, great songwriters, and if you are a fan of Dream Theater or Animals as Leaders, you should check out this band immediately. They give you the epic prog, and they give you really, really chunky rhythms at the same time. There's also just a ton of influences in there, like their new album, which I will name drop here in a second. Uh, it's heavy, it's funky, it's it's strange. It goes through like an entire life cycle concept while remaining mostly instrumental. It's very cool and very strange. That seems to be the theme of this episode. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, that album just dropped on February 10th. It is called The Fear of Being Forgotten. And from that album, here is three, Deconstruct in its entirety.
The Fear of Being Forgotten is out now by Divided by Design. You can check out the band over at dividedbydesign.uk for more information on them, as well as merch, and you can find places to get the new album, or you can find it over at your streaming music service of choice. That will do for this episode. As always, you can head over to farbandmetalpodcast.com. There, if you're in a band, you can get my attention. That's actually what Divided by Design did. That's how they got on the show. I mean, it helps if you're good, like Divided by Design. But you can hit me up to be on the show there as well as a merch link, friends of the show, and all that good shit. Uh, then the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from the album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.